What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart. We got plenty to talk about on today's show. We will be talking about the first on-screen showdown between the Batman and the Joker, a deleted scene from Matt Reeves' Dark Knight film, uh, or should I say Cape Crusader film, the Dark Knight film, may confuse people with uh, with Christopher uh, Nolan's films, Um, displayed uh, our our first interaction between um, the Cape Crusader himself and the Clown Prince of Gotham. So, it, very fascinating that this was a deleted scene that they did not put in this movie. I'm very curious to hear um, whether or not this was a, the right decision to not put that scene in the movie. We'll also, we talking about a brand new project coming out from the MCU according to Deadline. Nova is, in fact, in production. And you may be a bit surprised as to which Nova character they are centering that show around. So, we'll stay tuned for that. Also, She-Hulk, hearing some very concerning things from one of these uh, superhero kind of inside scoopers regarding the production of She-Hulk and some apparent chaos in the creative process. So stay tuned for that. And Zack Snyder's Justice League wins big at the Oscars. It was a surprise to many. I didn't even know they were up for any kind of Oscar. We'll give you the details a bit later. Shamari is not here today. He's unable to be on this podcast, but he'll be back with us probably next week. So shout out to Sham as always. Um, but I do want to introduce my co-host, Kendall Stewart, who, is, for one, is celebrating a 24th birthday. So happy birthday to my guy, Kendall Stewart. Of course, we love him. He gives you the amazing takes. He gives you the humor on this podcast. He's an instrumental part of what we do at New Generation so shout out to Kendall. Happy birthday, my brother. And as we come into this this major week, your birthday week, a lot of stuff going on. We have a Morbius re- release coming out. We have Moon Knight coming out. And we have the second half of season four of Young Justice. So, Kendall, plenty of stuff happening. There's plenty of stuff happening in New Generation. Of course, we'll be doing our Moon Knight reviews, our Young Justice reviews on YouTube for the rest of this spring. So, a lot happening, man. I can't remember the last time we've seen, like, two or three different superhero things converge. We've had maybe bigger weeks in the sense that, you know, the Batman felt like a big week and No Way Home felt like a big week and Endgame felt like a big week. But I'm not sure the last time I can remember three or four things converging all at once. Yeah, it's it's... It's unique in that you've got the premiere of Moon Knight with, like, the mid-season premiere, which is almost like another season of Young Justice. And, and then you've got Morbius. It, it's a weird week because I think that it's, like, it's a little inside baseball for some people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, nothing nothing mega. But all if, you, if, if you're like us and you're into all three. And Morbius is, like, that's a little more, uh, you know, I'm still very much awaiting the Rotten Tomatoes number on that before I... You know, I get excited about whether or not that's something I'm even looking forward to. But, um, but yeah, Moon Knight and, and, and Young Justice being in the same week is 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 definitely interesting. Um, you know, obviously there's also plenty of shows on the CW that are also airing um, yes. as well. So yeah, it's it's you know I feel like that's like the the day and age that we're in now is that if you have a movie release, and chances are it's gonna be something else also in the superhero world. Um, you know, I mean, I believe I mean, there's going to be weeks where Obi-Wan, Kenobi, and and, and Miss Marvel overlap, um, you know, and then 
you know, we all we'll also have Doctor Strange coming in May, which will be before that. So it's you know there's gonna be it's gonna be quite a bit of of of, of stuff and and you know I, I've mentioned a couple times on this show, but you know next week is also Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, uh, which is I'm far <laughs> that I'm far more interested in than Morbius, but um, you know that's another one that sort of overlaps with the with the fan bases of the, of, of the stuff that we talk, cover on this show. So, um, so yeah, so it's, 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 it's a little bit of like the backlog still from, from some of these projects getting pushed back, uh, with COVID and whatnot. And so, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of overlapping projects. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, it's exciting. It's exciting indeed. Yeah. It's exciting time. Kendall says overlapping projects. Of course, we're in the middle of March Madness and college basketball, really towards the end of March Madness and college basketball. And with the end of the college basketball season um, and the beginning of the NBA playoffs and the recruiting season, that means, of course, more content on New Generation Media YouTube channel for basketball stuff, whether it be high school, whether it be NBA drafts. So this is always one of the busiest times of the year. These projects all coming in here all at once definitely make it even more busy but it's exciting time exciting time at, at new generation arguably maybe the most exciting time at new generations around this time period where you see some of these uh big projects and, and kind of big sports calendar dates for us kind of rev up so excited to have this show once again another big happy birthday to my guy kendall and let's get started with morbius so very interesting plot context was added by director daniel espinosa ahead of the debut of Morbius, which, as we've said, does drop this week. In a Twitter Q&A, Espinosa replied to questions about the universe in which Morbius takes place. If you guys have seen any of these trailers, you've seen, you know, uh, you've seen Vulture from the No Way Home movies, according to Espinosa, that is, in fact, the MCU uh, Vulture. So, okay, that makes you think, well, maybe this movie is set in the MCU. Well, again, he kind of reverse field on that aspect of it because he was asked um where does this movie take place and he answered that this movie in terms of the universe is concerned takes place in the same universe and same world that the venom movies take place he says the 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 world where you saw venom leave at the end of let there be carnage and and then and then return to at the end of spider-man no way home that is in fact the world that Morbius takes place in. He was also asked, is there a Spider-Man in this universe? Does Spider-Man exist in this world? And he said, of course. So to me, all this does is add some more confusion for me, Kendall, considering he also confirmed that uh, the, the, the Vulture character that we see in this film is indeed the same guy we saw in the MCU. So I ask you, which Spider-Man first do you anticipate exists here in this Morbius universe before we get to some of this other stuff. Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question, it seems like, um, when it comes to this movie. Uh, to me, I, I get the impression... I get the impression that it's Andrew Garfield. I mean, that, that's been the long guess when it comes to... Um, when it comes to Venom in general, when we talked about Venom, it was like, I mean, I guess this probably takes place in the Garfield universe. Uh, we already had a, a Eddie Brock in the Maguire universe. That's true. Um, so that makes it a little tougher to buy. You know, you, I mean, 
things have been retconned before. Movies have been retconned. Um, so, I mean, who knows? But uh, they already had an Eddie Brock in that universe. Um, so I'm going to guess that it's that it's Andrew Garfield. But I would throw out the caveat that is there a chance that it's just Miles Morales and it's none of them. You know? That, I mean, that's, it, that's where I lean right now. Yeah, if they're just playing and doing a play on words. Yeah, I, 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 I that's where I, that's where I stand right now. I, I tend to think that Miles Morales is the leader in the clubhouse because because of a couple of reasons. Number one, I think giving that universe a clean slate and not having to you know create for lack of a better term, I don't necessarily mean this in a derogatory way, but not to carry baggage into this universe and have to maybe explain some things that may not cross over as neatly as possible uh, would make the most sense. And number two, I think that we've seen some, we've learned some things about Venom, Venom and the alien symbiote that to me would make it contradictory if somehow Spider-Man had already existed in his universe. I say that because if you remember in the post credit scene for No Way Home, you know, excuse me, for Venom, which was, I thought, in some ways a little confusing for me, but I, after talking to my friends, talking to you guys, I think we were able to get I was able to get better understanding of what exactly was going on. But in that scene, the alien symbiote tells tells Eddie that, you know, that, you know, we have the the knowledge of thousands and maybe even millions of other worlds and universes that exist. Therefore, when they get transferred to the MCU world that we're familiar with and the alien symbiote sees Tom Holland's Peter Parker as Spider-Man. He gets excited because he knows of a Spider-Man. He knows Spider-Man. That's someone that he has beef with. That's why that scene makes sense because the alien symbiote speaks about knowing the existences of other worlds well beyond his. If that's the case, then why doesn't this alien symbiote, when he gets to Venom, why doesn't he go looking for Spider-Man? We know that Andrew Garfield has been running around as Spider-Man for 15 years or how many years it's been since we last, since or at least the first uh, Amazing Spider-Man movie. It's probably been, what, like 10 years at this point? Like, that that's a Spider-Man that should be well-known at this point. Like, it wouldn't make sense that he, that would be the first time he experienced a Spider-Man anywhere and that he would be excited in that way. I think it would make more sense if the Spider-Man that exists isn't actually Spider-Man yet. And I think that that's probably, as you mentioned, Kendall, some of the kind of word gymnastics that I think Espinosa is using to say the truth while not necessarily telling us the whole truth, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think that that's, I think that that makes sense. Um, you know, I get this, I, you know, I, I, it feels like right now they're in a weird situation where, um, I don't know how much equity has been built up in this universe where I'm like, are they better off, you know, making this its own universe or are they better off just latching it on to one of the other two Spider-Man that we've seen and saying, yeah, it's all part of that to get people more excited. You know, sometimes there is value, I guess, in, in just going back. And now, you know, let's be honest, before No Way Home, I mean, the Garfield universe was not something that people cared anything about. So, no, uh, you know, that latching yourselves onto that, Sony may have had the business model and thinking that, why would we want to do that? Um, 
up until No Way Home, and now Andrew Garfield's had a lot of success in his uh, career outside of Spider-Man. So that's become a more well well thought of uh, universe and well thought of you know franchise. But yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's it, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, it, 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 it the, there's definitely a line of confusion, like you said, when you when you factor in the 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 vulture part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't I mean, know where that fits into all this. Colin, I mean, I mean, Matt Smith is in this Morbius movie, and he talked about how he really didn't even know who he was playing. He was kind of confused about the whole deal, um, just his general character in the movie. I, even after reading the script, he was like, "I don't really get this." But um, so it seems like this is just going to be like a very confusing movie, a very confusing sort of situation that they're that they're trying to balance. Um, but yeah, no, I think there is. But there's, an, as I mentioned, there's also value in bringing in bringing in Miles Morales and bringing in, like you said, a Spider-Man in a universe that doesn't have um that isn't doesn't have one hand tied behind their back you know trying to uh trying to you know you know make everything make sense with the other universe and you know if you're bringing in Craven the Hunter and bringing in uh we already got a Morbius you're bringing in Madam Web and all these different things maybe better to just have your own separate Sony Spider-Man universe um but man, there's there's a lot of ways to there's a lot of ways to tackle this. Um, I, you know, I don't know if any of them are really uh, are good. Like I don't I don't think there's any there's no there's nothing that they could say that's gonna make this like super exciting. That's yeah, what I think. That, is that's kind of what I was gonna. That was gonna be my last question on this before we move on. Is for me the question I sit here with today is was and is any of this weird kind of confusion and ambiguity surrounding the whereabouts of where any of this stuff actually takes place was this the right platform or was this worth it and what is the value in doing this in a morbius film because it almost seems to me like it almost seems to me like this was like their way of helping try to boost the money grab for this film because i think anything involving the actual Michael Morbius character, I don't think, I know I don't care about. I feel like a lot of people don't care about it. We haven't seen anything in any promotional material, any trailer, that made me think, wow, I'm actually really interested to see, like, this take on this Morbius person and how they're going to be. Like, we think about, for example, like, the Batman. And maybe it's a poor example because the Batman is, you know, is as iconic a pop culture figure as maybe there is in superhero world. But I'm going to do it for argument's sake. Like, you look at the Other Batman... Uh, I thought you were saying that because he's also a bat. <laughs> Touche there on that. Um, maybe so. Maybe it is an apropos comparison. But to me, you think about the Batman. We think about how much excitement and how much just kind of speculation there was surrounding how this Batman was going to interact with other people, how it was going to be different than other Batman in the future, and. We wanted to know everything we could about what Robert Pattinson's Batman was going to be. I haven't heard anyone make any real uh, take make any real kind of exploration as to into what Jared Leto's Morbius character is going to be. Nobody's talked about it. Nobody seems to have any interest in it. I know I don't have any interest in it. 
So I guess my last question is a very long question I'm leaving you, but is because of that, was this the right format to do this? I almost wonder if you were going to do this, that would this have made more sense to, you know, flush this out further in something like No Way Home or flush this out further in a movie down the line that's Venom versus Spider-Man and it's Andrew Garfield. Like, I just wonder if all this kind of like this hullabaloo regarding this universe stuff, it just seems like it's almost now just a distraction. Where now I'm more interested in just knowing what the hell is going on in this movie rather than like the actual plot of the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I really think that they're worried about the the box office, and because I mean, some of the stuff, some of this, this Q and A stuff, people are upset because it kind of it's spoils the movie. Spoilery. Yeah, spoilery, exactly. You know, and it's like. Why? Why are you spoiling? They're talking about the. He, did, he had stuff talking about the post credits. It's like, why are you talking about the post credits of a movie that hasn't come out a week before it's come out, and and, and giving details and stuff like, it, it, it's. But I think they're really, really worried about the box office. The early projections, from what I've heard, haven't been terrible, um, despite the bad reviews. But we'll see if that if that sticks. Um, I'm not convinced, but again, right now I'm going to stick with that it's going to be Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Um, but like you said, I, I don't I don't blame you for the Miles Morales uh, suggestion. You know, I think that that's also a an idea that is very possible and makes some sense. Yeah, I, I think that that would be the best. That would be the best way forward because. Like I said, I think there's some confusion about what they've established with the Venom alien symbiote already. And like I said, just make a clean slate. You know, a clean slate, start with a brand new Spider-Man, and just go from there. I feel like that would be the, the smartest way to go about it if I was um, if I was Sony moving forward. But I want to move forward talking about um, the Batman, which I had mentioned before. We, we got our first look at an on-screen interaction between Robert Pattinson's Batman and Barry Co- uh, Keegan, is that how you pronounce his name? I'm always, yes. Yeah, Barry Keegan's a Joker. And newly released deleted scene from DC's The Batman. The scene shows Batman and Joker separated by interrogation glass at Arkham Asylum as Batman seeks to gain info on the Riddler's motives. Keegan's Joker has a truly haunting appearance with a disfigured face, rotting teeth, bloodstained figures, uh, fingers, I'm sorry. Just a, a very kind of hard to kind of stare at for a long period of time in the scene joker correctly reveals to batman that he believes the riddler was a quote nobody who had been influenced by the bat kendall did dc make the right decision in deleting this scene from the movie um that's that's a it's an interesting question um It's hard. It's hard to say because I'm like, because they released it so so, so quickly after, it kind of had the same effect, or at least a very similar effect than I think it would have if you just left it in the movie. I don't know what the total value was other than like keeping the movie relevant for another two weeks, <laughs> you know. Um, but but I could I could see. I mean, the movie's long enough as it is, and that's a pretty it's a pretty long scene. Um, it's like five, it's like five like minutes. You, yeah, it's a five minute scene. For a movie that's already over three hours, um, it's a good, it's an easy way to to, to, to cut time. 
if that's what the if that's what the goal was. So, um, so I get it. Um, not having it in the movie, it's not one of those scenes where you watch it and you're like, well, that would have cleared up so many things. You know, I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest. I, I've said it before. I'm not the biggest fan of the Eternals movie. And that's a that's a long movie, and you know, I feel like there there may have been stuff in there that. You may have, that could have helped if they would have had it in there, whether it got cut or not. Stuff that may have been able to help if they would have, if if, if it wasn't there in terms of cleaning up some of the story issues. But this wasn't really a plot hole or any sort of story issue. This was just, you know, it worked. It it it's, it makes the second scene have a lot more context and the second yes. joke interaction make more sense. It you know you're thinking that that's more of just a tease sort of post credit scene kind of thing, and now. You realize, you know, why he knows Riddler and of this whole deal, and you know, it's a second scene seeing that guy. So, yeah, I, I think, I, you know, I, for me, I'm I'm mixed on, but I, I think the, the the effect would have been that different. Interesting. Um, my my original take on it is kind of the same here. I feel like, as I said on this podcast, I was not a fan of that Joker scene in the Batman, a movie that I loved dearly, but I thought, you know, I thought third act was kind of okay, and I thought that final scene just seemed very kind of out of place and just felt very fan servicey. I do agree that this scene makes that scene, that other scene make more sense because in a sense, you know, we see that Joker has already kind of gotten a scouting report on the Riddler yeah. and the manipulation that's being done in that final scene almost looks more sinister now that we kind of see that he had this guy in report and he had this conversation with Batman about this person. So I, I, I think that in the large context of what this movie was in Matt Reeves' original vision that included this scene, I understood why, why it was in there. I, in my opinion, feel like I would have rather preferred to leave this scene in there than to leave the other scene in there i say that because i felt like this scene actually it actually contributed to the other the rest of the plot of the movie because you know bat we don't ever really see batman truly kind of come to grits with the idea that maybe he is influencing the crazies that are now popping up in his city that's the first time anybody's you know you know told that to him and and approached that to him at all until he eventually talks to, you know, Riddler in, you know, in Arkham. And I do think it's kind of ironic. And I think it would have been an interesting juxtaposition to be like the only two times he keeps being told people are being influenced by him is when he's in an interrogation room in Arkham. It's literally the same place where Riddler tells him that, yeah, you influenced me. I think seeing that, you know, him being across that glass and that glass in some way may be a reflection of himself, I thought is pretty, pretty interesting, pretty smart storytelling they kind of lose that by not having this scene in there i also don't think the scene had to be in there um because i didn't really need joker in this film to me i think that this scene money the, the movie was fine without it like i thought that the last scene was pretty fan servicey i thought this scene was fun it was interesting it was it was well acted it was well shot i think there are a lot of aspects well, that, that, that i like but I don't know if I needed it per se. But I would have kept this one in way sooner than I would have kept the last. So, one. what did you make of that Joker? 
that's the that's the, the other important question here. And do you want to? Well, number one. Well, number one. What I make of him is, I think this is the first time I've seen a Joker who clearly looks like he was just dumped into a vat of, you know, acne yeah. acid or whatever. Or yeah. what is it? Ace acid. Ace, Ace, yeah, Ace, Ace chemicals. chemicals. Ace chemicals acid. That's an acne. I'm thinking it's a juice. <laughs> Ace chemicals yeah. acid. Like he looks like somebody that was dropped in Ace chemicals acid. Like he looks like extremely deformed. The seventy. If that ever happened to somebody, like I feel like that's probably what they would look like if they survived. So. Yeah. What I think of it, I mean, it's very realistic. I don't know. I don't really know what to think of it. I almost feel like because of how disturbing he looked, I almost don't have an opinion, which is crazy. It's almost more like I just kind of got to see more. Yeah. I thought that. You want to that, um That's another important question. Kendall asking the important questions. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm just cool on Batman Joker stuff right now. For me personally. Right, right. Like, I, I, I've, I saw that in The Dark Knight. I know we are kind of, you know, when you kind of think about how many years that's been, we are pretty far removed from when we last saw that that movie. But in the Batman Joker thing is just always something that people will grab. And since then, we've had two reasons. separate Jokers that weren't right. But Batman. yeah, we've had we've had separate Jokers. You know what I'm saying? In movies, we even had one in Gotham. I think I'm just I'm just personally cool on the Joker. Like I would much prefer seeing us explore other corners of Batman's Rose Gallery before I see stories centered around Joker. But what I will say, what I will say, though, is if Reeves' mindset is to use the Joker as kind of this person that he can kind of pop in here or there, I kind of like that maybe almost being a, it would be a totally different kind of use for him as opposed to making him the vehicle of a major story in the vehicle of all the chaos. I kind of like if maybe he just kind of becomes like someone who kind of puts his two sentences in every now and then. And so, I, I would actually be interested to see if, like, if that's what Reeves wants to do. I heard Reeves say that, you know, this Joker is someone that he, he, he considers will have some kind of impact in whatever his Arkham Asylum show becomes. I love that idea. That to me is a great idea. Seeing Joker yeah. behind Arkham Asylum, again, I told you guys, Shamari told you guys last week, I'm a fan of the Batman Telltale series, and there's a large arc in that one of those games that includes dealing with the Joker in Arkham. I, I think that that'd be great. I, I would love to see that interaction, seeing Joker deal with other people who are nearly as insane or just as insane as him, as opposed to having to deal with other people in capes. You know, that that's just, so- that's how I feel. Our brother Henry had a really good take that I'll share on this Joker scene. And it was a little bit of a gripe. He he likes he, he liked the Barry Keegan Joker in general. Like he thought, you know, it was pretty good, but his general gripe is that he feels like the Jokers that we've gotten, many of them in recent years, have leaned have leaned a lot closer to like the ledger kind of lone wolf, psychopath, you know, serial killer kind of thing, as opposed to, like, the Mark Hamill, you know, the clown prince of crime, who's like a, you know, a mob boss, sort of, you know, a, uh, a guy who's got a real enterprise and is a, is, is, is on, it, you know, is sort of replaces the Falcons and the Maroonies as running Gotham behind the scenes. And we haven't really seen that guy 
we you know the closest thing we've seen to that is, is Gary Leto. I was gonna say I, I was gonna say I, I would I would I would push back and say I think Leto was much closer to Hamill than he's given credit for. Yeah, that they were trying to do that with Leto, and it <laughs> for a lot it of reasons just, it was it, for a lot of reasons it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, it just didn't I, let me be clear. I am not pro. I've never been pro Jared Leto's Joker. Yeah. And I'm not even pro Jared Leto's working Joker in the sense that it worked in terms of their connection to Hamill. I'm just saying for the twisted vision that Ayer slash Warner Brothers had for the Joker, I think that that was the closest thing we've seen to that. Yeah, episode. that's what they were going for. Um, like, like the, the 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 easy way to look at it is that like you can only have like you can only have Harley Quinn be really a part of that kind of Joker. Because that that goes back to the, again. <laughs> I saw somebody, yeah, I saw somebody <laughs> joke that there's no way no Harleen Quinzel is gonna look at that face, yeah, and, be like, yeah. in, and be like, "I'm in love." <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And and so I, you know, that to me is is the is the thing that that clearly that that was a little unfortunate because you're you know I was hoping that we get a Joker in live action that was a lot closer to Mark Hamill that I think what I think is the misconceptions that they, we people assume that when you see like the Heath Ledger Joker versus, versus Mark Hamill, which I would, you know, I think a lot of people agree are like the pillars, you know, on two separate ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. but the pillars for the Joker character, they say, or they think that the, like the, the, the Ledger version more realistic, and, and I, I'll also throw in uh, Walking Phoenix now as well. Although that's it's a little different, you know. That's an early version. We really don't, we really don't see his final form for much of that movie. But, mm-hmm. um, but I, what I think, what I would say is that her character, while you know, it is, you know, we assume that y'all, you can't do a dark Joker, or you can't do a, you know, it's gonna be campier, it's gonna be the. You know the the gun with the ha 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 attached to it, and yeah. the, the 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 clown boxes and all the nonsense. You know, but um, but what I think, what I, one one story that I think really hits home, like that you can do that Joker and it still be, it still be like dark, mm-hmm. is you know Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. You know. Yes. Like you watch that movie, and there's nothing funny about anything that the Joker is doing in that movie. No, and you know, it's P, you know it's PG. Um, you know, it's Mark Hamill. It's that same Joker that we talk about in Batman animated series, but it's the laughing fish guy. But it's it's not. There's nothing funny about it. It's dark. It's serious, and that that guy's a real problem. So I think that you could still tell stories like that. You know, you think about um, Under the Red Hood as well. You know, you think or Death in the Family, I should say. Yeah. Um, Death in oh, the no, Family. Oh, yeah, you no, about, you're right. Under Under the Red Hood. Yeah. Yeah, or Under the Red Hood. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, you think about you know the Killing Joke, like those types of stories. Joker can still do those sorts of things and not have to be Heath Ledger, you know, or not have to be that that archetype. And that's what I feel like Keegan. You know, it's early. You know, that seems. You know. What you call it? Reeves yeah. like that guy is not really even the Joker either at this point. I, I, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah. 
So he, he can grow into that. But, uh, you know, that's the the fear is that they're, they're pushing him more into that because it's going to be more realistic. And I get it that it's going to be more realistic, but there are ways in which, again, like, I mean, there's certain things in this movie that they, you know, that isn't like, you know, hyper realistic, but yeah, like it still to, fit. Yeah. To me, I felt like the reason why I'm not too concerned, though, I think that that is a really good. I think analysis of just the kind of jokers we've seen and, 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 and the kind of reliance on kind of doing the Heath Ledger, you know, re, re you know, reincarnation, so to speak. In terms yeah. Of the, the, the new jokers that we've seen. The reason why I'm not too concerned about that yet is I, I, I agree with Reed's assessment, which I think we should, because he's the one who made the movie, but I, I agree with it without even hearing him say that, that I don't think that this guy is like even really the joker. I wasn't even totally convinced that this Batman even had many interactions with this Joker. You know what I'm saying? Like there yeah. wasn't like like when like to me, when Batman is crossed from Joker, there's a certain there's a certain tension from him that I, I expect to be more prevalent than what I saw in that scene. Because in Batman's aspect, Joker can be he can let himself out at any point. Anything could turn sideways at any point. So I just feel like usually when I see those interactions, he's more on edge. I found him to be way more calm there than you normally see when Batman is talking to Joker. Even in Arkham Asylum when he's handcuffed and, you know, feet tied. He's still very much like, you're a monster. And if it wasn't for this code, I would have broke your neck years ago. And that's kind of the tension that always is there. That's not there here. So... Could Batman have put him away? Maybe, but I'm not even convinced that that happened. I I don't know what their history is. I really felt like this was just Batman knowing that this is a guy that has, in his opinion, a similar mo, and he's willing to go to any, you know, steps to 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 figure things out. Um, so that that to me almost is my most big my my big question to Reeves is I would love to know exactly what like what is the, the relationship between Batman and, uh, and, and, and Joker? I mean, Joker doesn't seem surprised that Batman was willing to ask his opinion here, but yeah, the fact that Batman was so comfortable in doing it this early in his career, how many interactions have these yeah. guys had? Does, does he really know who he's messing with? Like, that's what I get. I don't think he really knows yet. I think he knows this yeah, is a said, guy who's a silly killer like, and he's crazy, they, they but I don't know if he I don't know if he knows yet. But you think Reeves suggested that he does? Reeves made it seem like they like they had like one like they had one run in and that like they have that's all they've had is it? the one run in and that I get the impression that that's probably the case. That is it's okay. not a lot. Yeah. You and know? I don't know in terms of how many times he's he's used him as a resource. I would assume it's probably the first, but um but you talk about the idea that like Joker is then utilizing the free intel that this guy gave him to start help concoct some plan that'll lead to him getting out. I would assume, you know, building alliances inside Arkham. Exactly. Like that is an example of Batman, Ricky Batman, or sophomore right. Batman. Yeah. You know, not realizing, not even realizing the danger of you know it may have helped him in, a, in the short run maybe it even didn't you know yeah but, he doesn't really accept like, the he doesn't accept what was the truth you know yeah yeah exactly and you know the, then with that he gives joker a leg up that he didn't necessarily have so there's there's some good psychology in there um yeah. and, and 
you know, I, I mean, yeah. I, I for me, I'm not again. I, I'm sort of with you that I don't need to see another Joker story. Um, I'm sure Matt Reeves can do it, but I think there's a little bit. There's a lot of overlap between Penguin and not Penguin, between Riddler and, and Joker. Um, even in the characters that they've set up, that's the other thing too. Is that if you're when you're doing that kind of Joker, like we already got that kind of character with with Riddler. You know, Riddler is a little different. This is a guy that from a backstory standpoint is a lot different, but in terms of the actual villain is, is, is very similar, you know? Um, now again, we don't know that much about this Joker, but just in terms of that, we're going off the ledger thing. Someone who's in more closer to that archetype than they would be the normal crime boss or something like that. So that also is why, you know, it feels like, uh, you know, we already got Riddler. Do we really need a Joker? That's going to be like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it's hard to say, maybe he yeah. gets out and maybe he's totally different. You know, right. or maybe two years from now, they fast forward two, three years to the future, and he's maybe he's healed a little bit, maybe he looks a little bit different, maybe he talks a little bit different. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and I think I think the reason why sometimes the ledger portrayal is is you know attractive to creators trying to do Joker stories is this idea that this one man could bring the criminal underground and an entire city to its knees through his madness. Like, I think there's something about that that's powerful that I think makes Ledger's performance so iconic. He brings the whole city to his knees really on his own, essentially. Comes in, takes over the, the crime criminal underground immediately, then wreaks complete havoc on the entire city, then turns his back on that same criminal underground he took over midway through the movie and still causes all these crazy issues um i think that there's there's strength in that and that's why they support that um but i don't know if that's necessarily how reese is going to want to play this moving forward the last thing i do want to say on this in terms of again learning more about batman through these scenes is what also stuck out to me is how you mentioned that a great point that this was maybe a, this was clearly a misstep by by batman i also think it kind of speaks to just how trusting he is and how maybe he does lack true friendship or assistance or help in any way um because we see you know alfred helps him quite a bit in terms of the riddles and he's willing to kind of go with what got you know you know you know alfred tells him in terms of what these riddles mean and what the codes mean and and he, he trusts him in that regard and that makes more sense as alfred but i mean he trusts selena a lot in that film having not known this person and their ups and downs in their relationship per usual. And then here, I mean, we see him, you know, trust the Joker in, in this film, you know, uh, in a way that was a little surprising to me. We see him, you know, go to Penguin initially, you know, much not necessarily, you know, he came in punching people, but he was just having a calm conversation with Penguin, just trying to get regular information. Like he was just some witness, like not the Penguin, you know. I wonder if some if, if Batman maybe not having really a true understanding of, Again, the people that he's dealing with. I, I hope that this next movie, maybe he kind of learns the hard way that that could end very poorly for him. Because that's, that, that's this to me added another layer to some of the other interactions I saw in that film that is surprising, you know. Well, not, not necessarily surprising, but yeah. I think it's interesting. It's just, I think there's that, that even though Batman claims he wants to do this on his own, I think there is a yearning for help that he, he would like to have. That, and he's willing to kind of do these weird kind of 
temporary alliances or you know even just temporary interactions just for the sake of moving forward with his war on on crime in Gotham but the means in which he's willing to do that means he has to entrust some very unscrupulous people and this is just another example of that from this scene overall well acted scene well directed scene I can, in my opinion, better than the other Joker scene. Did I need it in the film? No. I would say it was the right decision to take it out. I think it would have served as somewhat of a distraction. But I did like some of the aspect that I think it, it painted a lot of other things in that movie to make more sense. Let's move on, Ken. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Nova. You know, we've heard rumors for years that an MCU Nova project was in the works, but now we have the closest thing to confirmation coming out of Deadline. Reporter Justin Kroll. Reports that while it is unclear whether it will be a movie or a series, this Nova project that's coming to the MCU will likely land on Disney+. Plus. One big surprise to many was that it appears that Richard Ryder will be the character at the center of this project and not the younger Sam Alexander who had been speculated by many. Kendall, I'll start there. Is choosing Ryder over Alexander the smart move in your eyes? Uh, choosing writer Alexander, uh, if that, if that does wind up being the case, um, it's interesting. Um, I, I gotta see how it's, how it's done. You know, I think long term, I think it makes, it would it makes a lot of sense to go to Sam Alexander. Um, I think from a business standpoint, you know, there aren't a lot of, uh, Latino superheroes in the MCU and so doing Sam Alexander could make a lot of sense. Uh, also, not a lot of young male superheroes in the MCU, so if you're talking about doing some sort of Young Avengers champion type thing, type project, uh, having a Sam Alexander character would, you know, would help balance things out as well, you know, on that front. So, you know, I think there there are reasons why Sam Alexander maybe, maybe makes sense, but, you know, I got to see how it's done. I mean, if, if maybe you do a season of Richard Rider and... You know, you've got, you know, Sam Alexander, you know, being mentored by him later on in the series or in the season, or if it's, you know, a situation where they do a, a Disney a Disney Plus series and then they have both of them and maybe he goes to the Guardians and maybe Sam Alexander goes to the Young Avengers. Like, there's, there's ways they could do it where maybe you have both of them. You know, maybe they coexist. But, um, but if you're just doing Richard Ryder, I mean, I'm sure it could be good. Uh, they've long set up this, you know, Nova character since Guardians and Xandar and all that situation. So, um, and I think we're going to see a pretty heavy reboot of the Guardians, uh, roster after Guardians 3. So, um, it would not surprise me if, if, uh, Richard Ryder was a part of that. Maybe he replaces Star-Lord, honestly, you know, um, so I think... Yeah, this is exciting. I'm still not, still not, 100% off the bandwagon that Anthony Ramos is is Sam Alexander. I know it's probably hey, not. He's still holding it's on to that. But so even though we're not even on a Sam Alexander project for Nova, you're still holding on hope that he's going to appear somewhere else and that will he'll eventually be in the Nova fold. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not jumping off the off the bandwagon there. Um, okay. You know, and we'll, we'll obviously it's still early on in this Nova process as well. You know, we still yeah. think that it, we think it's writer, but 
they could they could pull right. the rug. Right, yeah, that is, yeah, you know, the headline, at least the first, the lead line in the article says that, you know, Richard Ryder is coming to the MCU, so we've taken that and said, okay, that means Richard Ryder, now, of course, and Justin Crowe is smart, I mean, you know, he knows the stuff, so you wouldn't think he put that in an article by accident, but you never, you never know, you know, you never know. Uh, (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. To me, is this a smart move? I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say it's complicated, which is no weird way to answer my own question. I think it's a smart move if they are eventually, if they're trying to use Richard Ryder as a way to kind of really be the center of a Nova universe that will be expansive, that can then introduce Sam Alexander, then I will say it's a smart move. If they're deciding that they want to just do Richard Ryder and they're not really focus so much on Sam Alexander at this point in time, I will say is it is not a smart move. I think why I'm leaning towards that I think that they're, they are going to try to introduce Sam at some point that eventually it is indeed a smart move is because I think we got to remember, we, you know, we've lost some, we've lost some major franchises with Marvel. You know, we lost Iron Man. We lost, we didn't lose Captain America. We have a Captain America, but it's not Steve Rogers. Um, you know, I don't know what the future of Thor is post Thor: Love and Thunder. So, Marvel, I think, is in the business of creating true franchises outside of some of the, the main core ones that we have here. And if they can make Nova into a true franchise, whether it be something that's that's a series on Disney Plus or or a movie, it's interesting to me that there's a question mark of whether or not it is a series or a movie because we have not seen a MCU movie on Disney Plus yet, but. Either way, I think it would be smart to say, let's try to really, let's not just, you know, uh, microwave this thing and just get a character out there and then move forward and, 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 and be done with it. You know, I think it would make sense to say we're going to do this in a much slower build. We've already established quite a bit because of the Guardians movies. So it's not like we're starting from scratch, but we, just because we're not starting from scratch doesn't mean that we got to say, all right, just throw young Sam Alexander out there to forget Richard Ryder existed or just yada yada him and then move forward. I think that there's a way to kind of build um, an emotional connection to the project by creating somewhat of a lineage that can be established in these movies there. It makes, you know, it, it was controversial. The, the whole pe- torch patching we saw between Tony Stark and Peter Parker. But I will tell you this, if that doesn't happen, the, ending of Endgame and those interactions with Peter at the end are not nearly as emotional as they are. You know, um, I think that there's, there's, there's value in not just rushing things and not just putting things out there as quick as possible and moving forward. I think Kevin Feige knows that. I think he knows that the long game is a smart play. Smart play. So I think that that's what he's doing. Now, again, that's I think- not what he's doing. Then I would say that that's a, a poor choice. I think Sam Alexander, excuse me, Sam Alexander, is a much more dynamic, much more fun character to follow. I think, I think Nova's got a ton of potential. I agree with you. That I agree. Yeah. A lot of people are looking at that and probably thinking, oh, you know, yeah, Nova, whatever. But I think it has a chance to 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 develop into a real, similar to how the Guardians were not a household name and then they become became it. There are a lot of people that don't know who Nova is that when it comes out, I think it has a chance to really blow up. Um, for You're talking from a Disney perspective. This is the same company that 
produced the Rocketeer, you know, and that kind of aesthetic with the, you know, the human rocket character, the guy who can fly like that. Um, and look at where DC has struggled. You know, I think DC, we talk about the armed race when it comes to <laughs> superhero movies. And, you know, I think the the main the main place that they've struggled is what what a lot of people would argue is the DC version of Nova. And that's the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. You know, they haven't been able to get that off the ground. You know, I don't know what the deal is with their HBO Max series, if that's ever coming out. We haven't even heard, from, we've heard nothing about that. Yeah, I mean, that's we got the guy. To be a confirmed thing that's happening. We got the dude that's, that played him in the in the Snyder Cut, allegedly, that never came out or that never was on. That was never made yeah, he, was ran, he was randomly cut. posting stuff. Yeah, he's posting pictures of him in the, in the movie. You know, getting people, it blew up. But that that's not even canon. Like, that's not, yeah, that's yeah not we're, not, we're, pa- we're past that. Yeah, we're past that. So there's still there's people starving for it, but for whatever reason, they can't get, a, get that off the ground. Um, it, it, it seems like it's a tall task to do a Green Lantern show, like, on TV. I mean, I know it's streaming, but, like, with the same energy on, that's not a movie, just from a budget standpoint. So, you know, I guess it, in theory, it makes sense why it's taking so long, but regardless, if you're Marvel, and you see that, that struggle, you know, I would say the, the other close thing that you have to... To, to Green Lantern is Captain Marvel, and that that hasn't been as you know much of a smash success. But you're you're more so comparing that to Wonder Woman from their eyes. So if you can get the Nova Corps off the ground, and and you do make it more like a Green Lantern Corps where you got multiple Novas, and maybe again you have maybe you have a Nova here and a Nova there, that could be very interesting. And if they have very different personalities, it doesn't matter if if functionally they do the same thing. Yeah, no, you're you're 100 right. It's including the issues that we've seen with DC and Green Lantern, and you know, just we we have the Guardians of the Galaxy, and we do have Captain Marvel, so we do we we have some intergalactic figures. But I think yeah. expand. There's no reason not to expand on that. You know what I'm saying? We, you know, people yeah. love space exploration in films and in franchises, and adding Nova to that party. Is great, and I think it adds. It gives you the potential for future crossover films. Like think about this Doctor Strange film that we're about to see, Multiverse of Madness, which is it appears to be a major crossover film. Like imagine if you wanted to then in the future do a major crossover inter- intergalactic film that doesn't include Spider Man and Shang Chi and some of the people, Black Panther people that are on Earth. Like what if you had, yeah. what if you did like Annihilation? Like what if you did Annihilation? And you say, yo, we're going to put the Fantastic Four with Nova and Captain Marvel, and we're going to make that a movie. Like, yo, yeah. that would be bonkers, man. Like, yeah. it's just the potential is endless. And if you have Ryder, but you're developing a Sam Alexander, and that gets put into that mix, like, as you said, there's a lot of potential there. We got, you know, uh, for the people that have said, I think we got to stop thinking small. I think there's 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 potentially bigger things uh, afoot at Marvel. Yeah. So Did I, you I'm, see... not, I'm not tripping I, about I... the Ryder thing, but I do like this. What are you gonna say, Kano? I was just gonna say real quick. Did you did you see that that we mentioned Anthony Ramos? He 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 did confirm what what I feel like I've mentioned on the show a couple of times that Ryan Coogler will be making Ironheart. Um. So. Oh, that's interesting. I yeah, did not hear that. Yeah, I, I I I've had that theory since she was like confirmed to be a, a strong part of <laughs> of Black Panther two. 
that all right then i mean if, if he's introducing the character then i'm assuming that he's going to be doing an iron heart now that that would be one of the projects under his you know production company and so ramos confirmed that um which again i have my theories <laughs> but on ramos but regardless um so you, somehow you think that that connects to your sam alexander theory uh, potentially, is that, what to, is that what you're trying to say? You know, I, I mean, I think just it's 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 interesting in general that he's doing Ironheart, but um, yes, that is interesting. Yeah, you know, what, but, what, but what, overall, what, what I mean, you seem to have thoughts that you're not explaining. So I will actually direct. No, yeah, what, I think it just goes what, back what to are the, these, in you, yeah. what are these in you, it's in, not in really a, that you that you see. From yeah, there's not really Google a, a point on Ironheart. Yeah, it's overall, it's just that. If Ryan Kluger is doing this and Anthony Ramos is saying it now, like, and they've already said he's going to be a character that that crosses over. Yes, that he's going to be like a, a, a mm-hmm. Kang like. You know, movies. like, I, I don't, I don't really, you know. Again, there's rumors he might be playing Obadiah Stane's son. <laughs> there for a lot of reasons that still doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but it is not possible. I, 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 can I say one thing? This may be <laughs> controversial, so. You know, this is a don't get fired DJ moment. Right, right. I I am tired. Of, I don't want to see any more bait and switches with the white dude has a has a person of color, kid, daughter, or son. Like, I just think that that thing is no longer. Like, I thought Spider-Man Homecoming did it, and it was, like, a legit shock. And I think it worked. I don't need to see that again. And I yeah. feel like that's a thing that we're seeing a lot now. We saw it in Batman with Catwoman, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, no more of that, no more of that. And, I, and it's not. It's, I'm not saying that we need to, you know, erase people, black, you know, bi culture, you know, people. That's not at all what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm yeah. Saying, don't give me no bait and switch. Don't do that. With people right. that are dead, or, or, people that are dead or people that aren't around, or you kind of make it like if you want to show Abadeus, Obadiah Stane had a lat- Latina wife when he was alive. That's then I, I'm totally fine totally different i'm not saying again i'm not against interracial relationships or against biracial kids i'm saying the bait and switch aspect of it for shock right. value it, it, shock i do value. not want to see that again like we we've seen that now the first time it, it was cool the Catwoman thing i was like okay but whatever this we're doing this i don't not i don't need to see it anymore like we've seen it now too many times so i'm hoping that that's not what we're seeing here Am I wrong yeah, I to say that, or do you do you, you know? Not uh, that you gotta I mean, agree, I, I but I don't feel as, as strongly about it. I I I can see your 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 issues when you're using it for shock value. You're using it for a story, right? Story. It's the, it's, yeah, there's there's the way to the to shock value and the story part, the story point about it, like that part about it to me is just I I, I want to see that again. I'm not saying it's been done before. I'm not saying that oh it should never have been done or anything. I'm saying okay, it's been done. I do not want to see that again. It's, it's, it's like a Marvel. Twist. It's like why? Why did that guy be a, a major twist? Like it works in terms of surprising people, but it's like really. Yeah, I just don't want to see that used as a plot twist anymore. Right. So I'm hoping that that's not the case. That he's not Obadiah Stane's son. Yeah. Again, if Obadiah Stane again, he was in Iron Man one. If he saw him with a Latin wife again or a Latin woman or whatever, I had no problems. There's no yeah problems with that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying don't use that as a way to to do a shock value part of your story. We also saw it in uh spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, you know, in Watchmen, well, we really don't have to get into who, but we also in Watchmen as a surprise. Yes, huh? yes, exactly. Um, so it's like you know, I mean, yeah, it's 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 not 
It's pretty common. And again, a lot of times it doesn't make a ton of sense. You know, it's like, why, what? You know, because it, it, you just think a lot of times the person would look a little different. But regardless. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I just think that, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a, I don't know how many, I don't know if anybody, I don't know, I haven't heard anybody say it. But I just know I don't need it. Yeah, you know, I've never seen that take before. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah, you know. But I just feel like again, even if that were the case, if he if he's into playing stain something, I don't know how that. I could be wrong, or I could be, I could be missing something. But I don't see how that's a character that has a ton of long term potential. No, unless you turn him into you gotta see else. it, obviously. Yeah, it's yeah, no, also... yeah. But it's like, and you got to make him someone. Now, do you make him, you know, the next Ironmonger? Do you make him like he's got to become yeah. someone yeah, some who's name. Yeah, he's got to become someone who... Crimson Dynamo. Yeah, I was going to say, does he become Crimson Dynamo? You know, that would be very weird for a lot of reasons, but, you know, <laughs> but if, that, if that's what they did, like, okay, well, he's Crimson Dynamo, so this is... He's a character that's worth mentioning, he's going to be around, so whatever. If that's not what you're it's doing, so, then... Yeah, another version of Ghost. I mean, we, we got... I don't think they're going to do that again. We did an Ant-Man, but we got Madam... I don't think we've seen Madam Mask, and obviously it can't be Madam Mask, but, you know, like, there's... um. There's plenty of heroes or villains in that in that you know in that tech space, but but Nova, it seems like it's right there. <laughs> it's just really it's just crazy to me how like. What do you think of Coogler? What do I think of Coogler doing Ironheart? Yeah. I taking him off the Wakanda beat. Well, are they? I don't know if they are. See, that's why I was, that's why I was trying to get you to say basically is that is that what you think is happening? You think they're like potentially moving away from Wakanda for now cuz no 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 i think they're just expanding Cougar's plate and saying look yeah cuz when they cuz when they announced that whole thing we just assumed there was a bunch of wakanda stuff well that's what they kind of pitched to that they were like he's creating a world of wakanda essentially that was that's how yeah. the reporting was being made and i was like okay it's cool and like, I, how much, i feel I like how at much the time, do, i never believed that or i was just like i the thing that i thought would be outside of wakanda was i thought that we get a michael b jordan killmonger show that was the thing where I was like, I think that won't be. I don't think that'll have anything to do with Wakanda for the most part. But that, I, th- I think it would have been. Sh- I think it would have been very like. Uh, I think it would have been kind of short sighted to be like, oh, just get you know this black guy just do all African <laughs> content. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of you know American Ryan content Cooper's that you could do, like, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he has. He definitely seems to be able to capture American culture and African American culture. Speed. Yeah, like, he, he captures American culture in a really great way. So, like, to just pigeonhole him to Wakanda, I thought seemed a little weird. But Yeah, so, but, I, so I I think that this is interesting. I want to see how it goes. You know, yeah, I, yeah I, I support this. Yeah, I, I support that he's doing this. I didn't I didn't expect it. Like, you, you were way ahead yeah. of the curve on that. I didn't expect this at all. I just assumed that they were going to pick someone brand new. But, uh... But I, but I I support this. I thought maybe they picked someone female as well. So, but um, yeah, it doesn't mean but, that there won't be a female director or right or showrunner. Right, exactly. It still absolutely could be. But the fact that this is kind of under his umbrella, under his creative umbrella, I, you know, we know Ryan Cool is about. We know how talented he is. So, uh, and shout out to Ryan Cool. I know he went through that very uh, harrowing experience at that Bank of America. Um, I don't want to go yeah. into it, but you guys want to Google it? You can Google it. It was very disturbing. Um, handcuffs and guns drawn by police. So. You guys do your research on what happened there, but I just want to make sure we give a shout out to him because I don't think we—I didn't even think about doing it last week or the week before. So I'm glad you brought this up so I could send my salute to uh, Ryan. Hope that he's doing okay right now. 
Uh, let's let's move on to another uh, Marvel story real quick as we uh, get close to the end of this show. She-Hulk, not too far down the pipe, but now concerns about this creative process and what exactly is going on with this film. So, you guys are familiar with Jeff Snyder. He used to report for Variety. He used to report for Collider. He now writes for the uh, the Ankler. I'm not as familiar with that website, but shout out to the Ankler. He does a podcast. Jeff Snyder is very tuned in to terms of the scene regarding these Marvel projects. He is really great sourcing. So whenever he says things, it definitely will raise antennas, especially if they're major comments. And these were pretty eye-opening to me. So in this podcast, he gets into a conversation about just some of the stuff that Marvel was doing with this Disney Plus, uh, you know, the Disney Plus projects. And he says that, He's not hearing great things about She-Hulk. He said, yeah. quote, I have not heard good things behind the scene, and I've asked whether it's Moon Knight or Miss Marvel or Secret Invasion or any any of these projects, and they're always like She-Hulk is the one that could be a problem. I've heard it from people working on it, from people actually working on it who are like, we'll see. I think there's a lot. I think that that's a lot of Marvel things, honestly, and you know where it's like, ugh, uh, this could be really stupid, like we'll see. I'm sure people making Guardians of the Galaxy felt that way, right? And most of the time, Marvel pulls it out, but there will come a time where they won't. That's just the laws of movie making, the laws of numbers. So here, he's saying that people who working on this on this uh, TV show going to him saying, yo, man, this ain't it. Creative yeah. process is messed up. People aren't on the same page. This thing ain't it. That's really concerning to me i don't know how you're concerned you are can i'm concerned i am concerned to a great degree and i'm concerned it, 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 it's i'm concerned it, it's like the same reason why i'm concerned is also why the same reason i'm gonna pause in terms of like really jumping off the, <laughs> jumping off the cliff in terms of really panicking about this project but the reason why i'm concerned is because this is in my opinion marvel's it sounds like Marvel is going very off the beaten path with this project, maybe more so than any show with the except or any project with the exception of maybe WandaVision. This is actually maybe the closest thing to WandaVision in that regard, uh, in terms of what this show is supposed to be. This law and order meets kind of comedy kind of show that they're doing that's gonna break the fourth wall a lot. Yeah. It's procedural. Like, you know. Right. FBI, like, like, Law and Order, NCIS. Yeah, and like we, Marvel has not really done that. I mean, maybe you could argue maybe the the beginning iterations of Agents of Shield maybe goes into that a little bit, but but I wouldn't yeah. really. And that's not even Marvel Studios. No, that's not Marvel Studios, right? So, so this is not something. This is new territory for Marvel Studios. So when I hear that it's going this poorly, that is concerning because to me, if you're going to do something new, you got to hope that. By this point in time, like they probably, if they're not, they're probably done shooting at this point. You would hope that they are, they are all on the same page of what they were trying to do, even if they couldn't, they they had trouble in the beginning. When I hear that this late in the game, that yo man, that show that's coming out, I don't know if it's gonna work. That's concerning. But at the same time, can the reason why I will pause is for the same reason, is that sometimes when you do have people trying to do new things. There is a little bit of anxiety and a panic regarding this is not how we normally do things and people won't receive it the way they expect. But sometimes that's because you're being pushed to do something that you're not accustomed to. And then when we actually end up seeing the final project, it ends up being a lot better than even they would have thought. So I'm going to pause and say 
is concerning because they're doing something new and th- there's this much contention around it. But maybe that contention is hedged on the fact that it's new and not necessarily that it's actually bad, <laughs> which would be bad for all of us, obviously. So I don't know. How do you, how do you feel, Kendall? What do you make of these comments from Snyder? Um, yeah, I, look, I agree with your sentiment that it is concerning. Um, you don't never want to overreact because obviously it's it's still very early in the process and Marvel just in general, like you mentioned, you know, they hit for a very good batting average. So, um, nine times out of 10, their projects tend to be good. So I'm not going to overreact and say, you know, all oh, this one's going to stink. Um, you know, there was some early smoke about similar about Miss Marvel that, you know, you're not yes. hearing that as much recently. No, um, no, you're not. And I thought it was curious that, you know, Miss Marvel, they kind of pushed it back, you know, uh, and then for a long time, it seemed like She-Hulk was going to come out before Miss Marvel. Then I, I just assumed that was going to be the case. If you would ask me in like January, I was like, oh, yeah, She-Hulk's coming out before Miss Marvel. And now Miss Marvel's coming out before She-Hulk. And so does make you wonder well did they run into problems with shield now and, and you hope that it's not both of them that have issues um but yeah they've been very weird with the calendar in that regard um you know visually i mean we talked about the she hulk look i i said you know last week i was not like i'm still jury still out i gotta see how it's utilized in the show before i'm like all in on the, the visual the part of it Especially with 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 uh, the Hulk also not looking great, um, and from a story perspective, I haven't been that worried about this show. I thought this show would would be a safer bet than than, than Miss Marvel, but like you said, it seems like they're taking it in a very uh, sort of zany, creative approach, which is not nothing wrong with that. Um, as we saw with Miss Marvel with uh, WandaVision, that that could be that that could be great, but. Um, but yeah, and to me, I think the big question that I have is with with this show is that it feels like there's a lot that they have to accomplish from a, we got to get from point A to point B and with, you know, just again, you you know, we know that the word, word on the street is they've got a World War Hulk movie coming out and yes, if Ruffalo's in this movie, is in this show, then it feels like this show is going to be largely setting up World War Hulk, I would assume. And how you get from point A to point B there is going to be kind of confusing. We're bringing back Emil Blonsky as uh, as uh, Abomination, uh, which should be I'm excited about, but we'll see how that goes. I'm not really sure what is going to happen, obviously, with, with uh, Thunderbolt Ross after the passing of William Hurt. I mean, yeah, we yeah. didn't know for a fact if he's going to be in it, but now I would assume he's not in general. Um, so they, they've got a lot that they have to sort of juggle right now. So, you know, on top of the fact that I didn't even mention the She-Hulk character and the Jennifer Walters character, and we're talking about Daredevil might be in this, and people talking about Scar in this, you know, Hulk's son, you know, if that plays a role in this, then what if, you know, if that maybe is the thing that sets the World War Hulk, how does any of that work? What does any of that have to do with She-Hulk? So I don't know. There's... There's questions, you know, about how this is going to work. But, um, yeah, it's not something that you want to hear at this stage. Um, but I'm also not going to overreact. You know, we obviously have to, we'll, we'll see the trailers. We'll, we'll get 
we'll we'll see more of this before we really um and, and we'll hear more about the story. Uh and, and we also know that uh the word is that Titana is supposed to be the villain. And you know, and so I didn't even mention her and she's you know, the rumor is she's a villain and that's right, yeah. Um you know, I, it took me you know, five minutes to even get to her character. So <laughs> it, it seems like there's a lot that 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 uh that they're trying to accomplish with this show. And only a limited amount of episodes. And the word is that there's a ton of cameos, and there's probably people that I don't that I don't know about that other people don't know about that are also in this. Um, if it is just a one-off kind of show, so yeah, I mean it's, it's you know it's still I'm still excited about it. I'm, you know I'm still definitely I'm still excited about it too. I'm almost excited about it in the sense that like I mean if it's bad, I think it's gonna be spectacularly bad because I mean they're trying to do something very outside the box. Yeah, I think there may be and, some and entertainment it, value in it, even if it and, is bad. You know, and I, to me, it goes back to the to the Eternals thing, where I'm like, I'm okay with Eternals maybe not working because they try something different. Yeah, you, you know, like I'm okay if She Hulk falls flat on his face because they tried something different and it didn't work. Nothing wrong with that. Like Kevin Feige at this point. He's the guy who like is getting bored with winning all the time, and now is trying other things that you know are a little more risky. But <laughs> it allows. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I'd rather that than you just play it safe every single time. Yeah, play the hits every time. Yeah, Say, we know this about trying to push the envelope in any meaningful way. That would be less exciting and less interesting. I think the fact that they're trying to give the fans something to really you know cheer about is. And that's something to really be proud of is great, you know? Like I yeah, I don't I don't think that just oh, just we're gonna just do this play in this little safe sandbox is is the best way to go. And it's the one critique that Marvel has had. So Yeah. Yeah. Go I out mean, there, do something crazy. If it flops, it flops. But you should try. The, the character that I wanna see that hasn't been uh hasn't been introduced in the MCU, hasn't been introduced uh, or hasn't been mentioned as being in this at all is Amadeus Cho. You know, Amadeus Cho is the character, and I don't even need him to be a Hulk, but um, he, he's the character that that I want to see in the MCU that they haven't uh, introduced yet. And I don't know what their plan is for his character. He may be somebody that they're also just holding, uh, holding in their their you know box of cards, but. Um, but I think he's a, he's another character that in theory could make sense for this kind of series. Yeah, and then we talk about also, of course, you know, the increase of diversity and being more representative. Exactly. Of course, you know, we, you know, we, we talked about it. More Asian representation is important. I think, especially during this time. Yeah, and and, and it's we've seen and things like that. And, and and we talked we talked about it with with with, with Black Panther, where you're like, you know. Just because we have to tell doesn't mean we don't, we, you know, we're, we're set with black heroes, you know? Right, of course, yeah. You know, or, you know, just because we got Blade, you know, or just because we got, like, you want to have a Blade and a T'Challa and a, a Sam Wilson kind of thing. And when you look at uh, Asian heroes, just because you have Shang-Chi doesn't mean that, you know, that, all right, we don't need another one. Like, that, that's not the, <laughs> it's not the that's not the mindset that, that applies to a lot of other people. So, um yeah, I think Amadeus Cho is, is a character that, like you said, increases representation. Um, you know, and it's it you know, it's not also not the the, the stereotype that the the Asian, you know, superhero has to be, you know, kung fu. You know, has to be a kung fu master, you know. 
um, there's other there's versatility in that regard. So I think that uh, you know he's a character that I would, that I would like to see. Same here, Kendall. Zack Snyder's Justice League came out. What was it? Sometime last year, spring of last year. May almost literally around around this date, I think. Do which what moment from that movie do you feel like is most memorable for you? You're asking me from from the five hour six hour movie. Uh, I'm just asking, man. Find a needle in a haystack, Kendall. The movie Um, was four hours. Was there a moment in that movie that was that was um, to you that you seeing Dark Side today? Seeing Dark Side, fair. Seeing Dark Side, yeah, I think that that was a cool one. Seeing uh. You know, cyborg some of the cyborg stuff. Seeing the cyborg when he did like the whole thing where he's in the jacket, but he's like replaying stuff. That was all that stuff was cool. Um, yeah, and, and there's just general stuff that we saw in Justice League that was cool. But yeah, that was the main. Those were the main things that they added that I can remember off the top of my head from like you know a movie that came out last year. That stuff. Well, was it? Well, it's ironic that those are the scenes and those are the moments from that film that Kendall remembers. I would agree that those were also really great moments. Um, it's ironic that he mentions, Kendall mentions those moments, but not the moment that according to an Oscar fan vote that was acknowledged during the Oscars as the greatest cheer moment in movie history was neither of those scenes. In fact, last night, and what I, I never, I didn't know this was happening, but apparently there was some kind of fan poll that the Oscars was going to do. They're trying to figure out which scene in movie history was the most, like, had the most cheer-worthy type of moment. And among the other top five people, or top five uh, moments, was uh, Neo in the Matrix dodging the bullets. I think everybody could remember that. Yeah, there was, uh, and I'm telling you, I'm not going. The scene from Dreamgirls. I have not seen Dreamgirls, so apologies. I, I I'm not as familiar with that scene, but I'm sure a lot of people do remember that. Then there was Avengers Assemble in Endgame, after everybody appears in the portals after being you know snacked away for all those years and coming back to team up to fight against Thanos. And then, of course, the scene we had just months ago of the three primary Spider-Men that we've seen on screen, Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland, and Andy Garfield swinging together for the first time in No Way Home. Apparently, those were all secondary to the scene in Zack Snyder's Justice League where the Flash enters the Speed Force towards the end of the film to stop the carnage from uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Well, I can't remember the villain's name now. <laughs> uh, Steppenwolf from recurring. Yeah, yeah. And that was apparently according to this fan vote, that was the most Oscar cheer cheerworthy moment of all time. And that's going to now live forever. And Kendall, I- I'll be honest. That was, I'll, I'll give you credit. That was a cool scene. It was a cool scene. Let's be, let's yeah. keep, let's not, let's not lie on this podcast. It was a cool scene. It was done, in my opinion, this scene was done way better than how they did it in the original Flash 
Oh, excuse me, Justice League film, starring Jeff, you know, Will's directed by Josh Whedon. But it is a scene that you didn't remember and I did not remember until I, one, I mentioned it to you just now, or when I learned of this award that was being given out on uh, on Sunday at the Oscars. And ironically, there was a much bigger incident at the Oscars that overshadowed everything. But from what my corner of the internet kennel, this was the biggest thing I saw people complaining about at the Oscars at that point in time, was that somehow Zack Snyder's Justice League was being awarded at the Oscars and that it, it beat out <laughs> Endgame in No Way Home in terms of, in for lack of a better term, OMG moments in movie history. And of course, we all know Zack Snyder's fan base is very, very active on social media. They're very organized. And when you put a fan vote out there, clearly you rally together and you get this bogus result. This is, you know, Andrew Wiggins starting at the All-Star game. This is, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, Yao Ming starting at the All-Star game, even though he, he got injured, didn't play a game all year. Uh, this, is, this is what we get with fan voting. This is why fan voting should be abolished in almost all medium, especially any medium where we're giving out any real awards. Like, like fan voting sucks. And this is just another example of that. And what I saw this, Kendall, as I saw this as another failure by the Academy to try to wrap its arms around, like, the majority of people who watch movies, who love superhero movies, and who love, you know, thrillers like The Matrix and, and things like that. They try to wrap their arms around them and say, hey, I know you guys complain about us excluding you from this party, but here, let's give you guys something. And then, like, it's like they farted in our face. Like, <laughs> like you thought we were getting something great. Yeah. A pair of roses, and then they just lift. They just let one rip right in front of our face by giving it to a movie that many people have watched. Some people liked, some people didn't, but it was kind of come and gone. Not iconic in any way. Nobody would say that movie was iconic. Well, some people would say that. Most people wouldn't say that movie's iconic. You may say it's good. I thought it was good. I think you thought it was good. I don't remember how we stood on that. Yeah. But, but I mean, we're talking about. The Spider-Man swinging together and the Avengers Endgame last arc. And we're talking about that. So Ezra Miller is the most OMG moment in movie history. Like, what a failure. What a failure by the Academy. And it's why these people can't get anything right. I'm, I wasn't surprised that it happened. But, man, we talk about if there was any effort to them for them to really... The, the notion that you tried to, like, get the most people... To kind of come into your party and to be inclusive, and and, and and recognizing everybody, and then you decided to big up because you had no control, the most like divisive and the most like ostracized corner <laughs> of the superhero world. It's just it's ironic, but again for the academy, not surprising. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a massive uh, it's a massive slap in the face to uh. To, to superhero fans from the Academy. You know, it's like they just walked on stage and just slapped Marvel fans right in the face. <laughs> Man. Touche. Uh, yeah, too soon. <laughs> but um <laughs> But no, when it comes to uh when it comes to look, we talk about it a lot on sports talk. EJ's a much more uh you're you're a much more you're you're a much more uh gritty 
you know, meaner figure when it comes to fan votes. You know, you take you want to take fan voting away from from a lot of things. You know, ban the fan voting. I am team ban <laughs> fan voting. Yeah, in sports, I mean, and now apparently I'm I'm in that case now in Oscars. Yeah, I, I, I look. We you know I've watched so many Kids Choice Awards where I've seen ridiculous ridiculous awards where I'm like, are you kidding me? Best best athlete is going going to. Uh, you know, Johnny Damon, you know, like ridiculous. Yeah, like LaMelo La Ball. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah LaMelo Ball is a good one. Just because the, the kid is there. Like, you know, fan voting is always ridiculous. Um, it's weird to give Justice League such a platform like that for something that's so, rid- something that's so ridiculous. Um, but, like, if, if you ask me for a prediction, and I would, if you would ask me which one's going to win, I would have told you Justice League if you, based off the fan vote. Um that movie has a cult fan base and it's it's real it's legitimate and i you know i, I think they deserve their credit cuz you know marvel fans could have done that same thing they didn't care they didn't need that sort of affirmation that you know he won some goofy oscar you know award um but dc but dc fans and justice Zack Snyder justice league fans you know they are staunch staunch supporters of that movie and again they deserve a lot of credit for pushing it to, to heights that, you know, it hadn't reached in the Joss Whedon era. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just from a – if you're asking me, well, first of all, I, I think inherently I think it's 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 not a great practice to have a list that's all time. And, like, how many, how many nominees were there? Five? I don't know how many nominees there were. Oh, okay. I just – I don't know how they even did this, which is maybe – Yeah, because I'm like, are there, like, like four or three or four of them were, like, like, the last, like, five years? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. They, yeah, there's some – like, like No Way Home and in, in what's the name? They came out in the same out. year. They came yeah, out last and year. Yeah, I'm like – Endgame was, like, 2019. I mean, Endgame was 2019. Like, there's just nothing from that movie that should be considered all-time anything. <laughs> no, not at all. Respect. It's not disrespect, like, though. I you know that like, Zack Snyder's fans will take it as such. Movies, I can come up with, with plenty of other DC movies with better crowd reaction moments, crowd pleasing moments than Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I don't think it's not a Marvel thing or a DC thing or a, a Snyder thing. It's just we're talking the history of movies. Wow. I mean, and the fact that you even yeah. allow that to be done by a fan vote. To me, that even that's just dumb. It's like I mean, that's an important distinction. That's not nothing. You're saying this is the most yeah. I mean, that's, this is the most sheer worthy moment in the history of movies, and you're like, oh, let's let the fans decide. Like that's their point is that it's not important. Like you know, it, you would think, like you said, you you think it would be a great honor, but they're not doing it like like you know, uh, like the you know, uh, if you watch the like the Hall of Fame does like some sort of lifetime achievement award or some sort of. Um, you know, WWE, the WWE Hall of Fame giving out the the Ultimate Warrior Award, like that kind of thing, like the SB, like they weren't doing it like that, where you know a panel just decides this is you know this moment deserves, you know deserves its own flowers for lack of a better term. This was just engagement, viewership, like they were just trying to get people to watch. That's why Which, I feel like it was such a failure because I just feel like, again, like you only got these Snyder cut people to watch, I guess. I didn't, again, I didn't know this joint was happening. And this then this is what and then and in you know the people now we look at you, you look like a joke. It's like 
Spider the Spider Man teaming up was not as is cheerworthy as the Flash entering the Speed Force. Like what? What the hell? I really had to legit think about yo what what happened in that scene. Like I I I, I still don't know. I don't remember it all. I remember yeah. it being dope, but I don't remember like oh like I mean the Spider Man and the Avengers assembling versus Thanos was very clear what happened. Like yeah, I, I, you know I don't remember that thing at all. Yeah. Yeah, Apparently, I mean, this, this was a list that was broken. I guess, I guess people got to tweet, I think. And that might have been how this happened. It said uh, right. fans voted over the past few months using a specific hashtag. See, this is like, that's just the stupidest. Why the hell would you make that be the way you vote for something? This thing is a joke. Yeah, the Oscars, just... they, don't, they don't know what they're doing. That That's how you're going to decide this? You, you know, you got, I, I didn't, again, I didn't even know this whole thing was even happening. I didn't see no hashtag that was trending that was both <laughs> with this thing. But, yeah. Man. I mean, there's not even a... And it's just like, yeah. I don't think Snyder fans even believe... That's why I don't like this. Is that I don't think that people that love this film, love it. The people that are pushing they don't even believe this. They don't believe that this is the most shit-worthy moment in movie history. they just yeah. doing it because they want to push an agenda again. Yeah. Like, that. that's all why this is happening. So that's kind of what like is annoying to me about this. It'd be different if like they really like had a, they really with their chest was like, nah, this was the greatest movie moment of all time. Like nobody with any common sense believes that, and they, I don't believe these people don't have common sense. So, they only doing it just to get Zack Snyder and that movie's name out there again, and yeah. create more headlines, and that's not what this was supposed to be about. But the Oscars relied on fan voting, and as Kendall pointed out, we got slapped in the face. So, yeah. So there you go. We also perfect, had a, a perfect of, usage uh, of that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I had some other jokes, but I was like, let me not go down the GI Jane territory. Look, man, look, Will's showing us. Like, let me Will not. Has shown us. He's shown us enough. He's about that life. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we yeah, we're not leave all them and leave all them in the drafts. Trust me. Um, <laughs> there you go. But um, but I will say, you know, again, for just for from a from a superhero movie standpoint, shout out. Uh, to Will Smith for winning Best Actor, for sure. Of course, you know, superhero movie yes. alumni with Suicide Squad, uh, Floyd Lawton, um, and you, you guys mentioned Hancock, which you know. Yeah, Hancock uh, is a superhero movie, even though you you not a reject it. Movie. You reject yeah. it every time me and Shamari tell you, but it is a superhero yeah, yeah. movie. Um. Uh, also, shout out to Jessica Chastain, superhero movie alumni, uh, X Men: Dark Phoenix. Uh, winning Best Actress. Um, I didn't think. I didn't think long and hard to be like, "What's?" <laughs> I know it should be, it should be the trivia, but yeah, no. Nah, I mean, <laughs> it's so funny how like the Best Actor and Best Actress for the Academy Awards were won by two two actors who I don't think people hated Deadshot, but man, that was a, it was a two terrible movies. Yeah, just <laughs> they were some, they some worst, trash movies, man. One of the worst superhero movie villains of all time. Yeah. Definitely. And and Deadshot was a pretty probably a, a bright spot on a, on a terrible movie. Yeah, very ironic. Well, it goes to show you that you know these people, the, the Oscars allow them getting the Oscar stuff allows them to do the bad superhero yeah. stuff. Basically, absolutely. You, know, you, don't just, you got her check and that was it. Yeah, you don't wake up and say I'm doing a superhero movie today. Like that's, that's not how this works in Hollywood. So no, that's what that tells me is that these you know Will Smith and. Jessica Chastain, these are actors who are extremely high-level, people who are in the Oscar conversation many years uh, when they're really active. So 
it's crazy that this was Will's first win, but uh, but but we know what kind of caliber actor he is. We know what kind of caliber Jessica is. So uh, that's what that tells me is that look they 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 want to cash the checks, but in order to cash the checks, you gotta do movies like King Richard, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And to come back yeah. and say, "Yo, we want to put you in this." Like, like that's yeah, kind of it, how this works. Seen the show Entourage. That's like the the whole the whole second season of the show is them trying to convince the the main character to do Aquaman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Vinny Chase. They they gotta convince him to do the movie Aquaman <laughs> because like that's the money maker, and he wants to do right. like you know just generic, uh, just generic you know passion projects. But they, there's no money in that. Right. <laughs> the money is in Aquaman, and so it, it's it's funny. Yep, exactly. But that's going to do it for this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I want to shout out again to Shamari, who couldn't be with us this week, but he will be back very shortly. So make sure you guys still uh, wait out for him, of course. If you enjoy this show, make sure you uh, check out all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. A lot of content is coming on your coming down the pipe here for April, so... Make sure you're locked in New Generation Media. You want to see our reactions to uh, Young Justice. You want to see our reactions to Moon Knight. Both of those shows debuting, well, Young Justice reappearing, and you know Moon Knight debuting this week. Make sure you, you subscribe to that YouTube channel, Generation Media, where we do recaps of those shows. Also, be sure to check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. You can also find us individually on social media. You can find Kendall on Twitter, New Gen Ken. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Another happy birthday to my guy, Kendall. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace. <laughs>